This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. If you are new today, uh, we are um, taking six weeks. This is the third week of a series on the book of Proverbs. So uh, this series is a little bit different in that usually we're kind of walking through a book of the Bible, kind of verse by verse. We're taking a different approach in Proverbs, and we're looking at, at different themes throughout the 31 chapters of the, the book of Proverbs. Um, and so we're going to be doing that today as well. And so, but I, I still, we're going to, I'm going to put, we're looking at many texts. We're going to put them up on screen, but still, it's just so helpful for you to have your Bible open or your tablet or whatever you use for the Bible. Uh, always have your Bible with you at First Baptist. We're a Bible preaching church and just be ready to, to dig in and to mark and to highlight um, as we, we walk through the scriptures together. But we're, we're in this series on Proverbs and we're calling it the, the way of wisdom. And we're, we're looking at God's wisdom on different issues in, in, in life, and, and we're doing that today with the issue of sex and substances. Let's pray together as we get ready to dig into the word. Father, we need you. We need your wisdom. We need for you to speak through your word. Lord, as, as we're walking during this series through uh, issues that are very contemporary to our culture. And we pray that you would, would grip our hearts, that we would seek you and seek to walk in your wisdom, in the power of your spirit. And not only that, but that you would use us to minister to others in a world that's broken, lives that are broken all around us. And Lord, we know we're all broken in a way that, that, that all of us are sinners in need of your mercy. We thank you that, that a savior has been provided. We thank you for your Holy Spirit uh, who um, speaks to us. We thank you that we don't have to do life alone. We don't have to grope around blindly that you have given us the way of wisdom. And so, Lord, speak to us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. For 2,000 years, some treasures, uh, riches, biblical riches, had been uh, hidden in caves that, that rose over the edge of the Dead Sea. And one day in late 1947, a Bedouin boy, a goat herder, tossed a rock into one of these caves and, and he heard the sound of something like pottery breaking. So he went into the cave, into this room, and he, and he saw this piece of pottery and it had this scroll inside of it, a very ancient scroll, the Old Testament, part of the Old Testament. And, and, and that began a series of, 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 of searches through about 10 other caves in that same area 
that yielded over 900 ancient manuscripts of God's word, just a priceless treasure of spiritual riches as they went from cave to cave and room to room. In Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, the Bible says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And we're talking about some of these precious and pleasant riches of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So, in the first couple of weeks in the series, we looked at a couple of foundational texts in Proverbs, in chapters 1 and 3. What we're going to do for the next four weeks is look at some of the main issues that are covered in the book of Proverbs. These are things that come up again and again and again and again throughout the book of Proverbs. And what we're going to do is take two of them each Sunday. So we're going to look at eight of them in all. So uh, we're going to be talking, and I've kind of alliterated them uh, for you. Uh, we're going to be talking one Sunday about friends and fools. <laughs> Proverbs has a lot to say about choosing friends and being a good friend. And Proverbs has a lot to say about fools as well. We're going to be talking about stewards and sluggards. Proverbs has a lot to say about money. Managing money has a lot to say about work ethic and laziness. We're going to be talking about tongue and temper. Proverbs has lots to say about both of those things. And today, we're talking about sex and substances. And by substances, we're talking about substance abuse, intoxicating substances. These are issues that are covered over and over again uh, throughout the book. So we're going to look at some representative text today on both of these things. First of all, God's wisdom on sex. So before we delve into individual passages and Proverbs, let's get the big picture. God's big picture on sexuality is really clear, really easy to understand. Within marriage, it is the beautiful gift of God, and outside of marriage, it is sin. That's, if you were to boil it all down throughout the whole Bible, that's God's wisdom on sex. And we're going to take some representative verses here in Proverbs. In the early chapters of Proverbs, whole chapters deal with nothing but sex. Um, so we're going to take a few verses uh, from those. For, let's begin in chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> so <clears throat> in some of these passages that we're going to read today, the, it, it reads like a father talking to a son, giving advice to a son about sex. And so it's using male terms, but rest assured, the principles and all these texts apply equally to women as, as well. So here we see in chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, so in speaking about the one who takes the way of wisdom, God's wisdom, if you take that way you will be delivered from the forbidden woman or the forbidden man. 
from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. Back in the 80s, there was a, a rash of sinkholes in central Florida. And I remember one time on a, a student ministry trip to Winter Park, we went by this, this massive hole in the ground. I mean, it must have been, you know, two or three acres where uh, the ground just began to, began to sink and where homes in this neighborhood had literally sunk down and been consumed in this sinkhole. There are thousands and thousands of homes that have just been consumed as someone sunk into adultery in that home. It kills marriages, it murders trust, it devastates children, and it leaves a path of relational destruction, just like the path of the hurricanes that we've seen in recent weeks. God thinks so much of this issue that he, he puts it in his top 10. One of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And in Proverbs, this is a theme that, he, that it, they keep returning to, and whole chapters are taken up with it. Let's look at chapter 5, verses 15 and 18. Here's God's wisdom. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife or husband of your youth. God says that, that marital sex is something to be rejoiced in, in the language that follows here. In Proverbs 5, it's as erotic as anything that we see outside of the Song of Solomon. So when you read these passages in Proverbs and Song of Solomon where the, the, the joys of marital sex are celebrated, it's really obvious that this is not something that, that God considers to be dirty or something we blush about. Uh, this is something to be embraced as his good gift in marriage. But it's sort of like a river in that when you think about a river, it's, it, it's flowing beautifully, it, it, and as long as the river stays within its banks, it just brings blessing to the whole region. But what happens when a river overflows its banks? It devastates, it wreaks havoc on an entire region. That's the, that's the case with sex. Within God's bounds, within marriage, this is God's gift, this is God's blessing outside of those banks. It's devastation that comes. And, and there are tons of warnings about that in Proverbs. Let's look again at chapter 5 and verses 20. And 21, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? 
For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. You know, those who commit sexual sin want to hide it and do it in secret. But this passage is saying that it's not in secret, that it's in broad daylight before the eyes of the Lord. And, and the consequences are, are, are so dire. In, in chapter 7, verses 22 and, and 23, speaking of someone who is carried away in their lust, Proverbs uses these vivid images. All at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. The image here is one of, uh, of a deer, a stag, being trapped until the hunter shows up, draws back the bow, and pierces its liver with an arrow. The ox who just sort of stupidly just uh, follows uh, its a, a path into the slaughter. You think of all the mat trucks filled with pigs on their way to Smithfield. I mean, not knowing, they're going to march off of that tractor trailer right to the slaughterhouse. I mean, that's the image here. That's the image. If, if, if we follow the way of lust into sexual immorality. And the really sad thing is that people who commit sexual immorality and adultery are not just following a path to, a path to their own uh, destruction, but they take a lot of innocent people with them. Kids and other family members and spouses whose lives are just devastated. And so God's wisdom is stay away from this. Build in margin in your life. Don't get close to it. Don't get close to the fire. Chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Well, good luck with that. Don't play with fire. Don't even play with the matches that can create fire. Be alert. Satan hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. And he wants to tear it apart. So when it says here, you know, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Can you walk on hot coals and your feet not be scorched? I mean, these are rhetorical questions, aren't they? The answers are pretty obvious. And so, don't get close to the edge. Don't flirt. Don't even flirt with flirting. Don't get emotionally involved with a person that, of the opposite gender that's not your spouse. I mean, when you feel like affection that's improper and, you know, kind of side conversations or texting or whatever it is begins, run! 
be like Joseph and Pontifer's house and run. You're in danger of destroying not only your life, but countless other lives. You know, we have an alarm system on our house, and the other day I, I came home, and I was going to go in the back door, and it was one of those humid, muggy days we had a couple of weeks ago, and, and I was getting ready to go in the back door, and there were some kind of like a swarm of, you know, gnats or little bugs that were just kind of swarming around right there at the door, and I knew if I opened that door, all those critters were going to get in the house with me, and so I said, you know, I'm going to go around to the side door. Let all these bugs in the house. So I um, walked around to the side, and, and then I kind of got distracted. Uh, trash cans were, were needed to be taken in, so I went out and got the trash and just kind of took my time before I went in the side door. And then when I went up to the side door, even before I put the key in, I could just hear our alarm system screaming. <laughs> It's the first time this ever happened. I mean, the police were already on their way. We did find out it works really well. Um, Police were on there. He was at my door just in like a minute or so. Um, But it occurred to me, how did this happen? And it dawned on me, you know, that when I went to the back door, even though I didn't walk in, I had put the key in and like just cracked the door just a little bit. These verses are saying... Don't crack open the door to sexual immorality. I mean, just don't even let anything begin because the, the consequences of where it ends up are just, just so dire. God's wisdom on sex. Let's talk about God's wisdom on substances. Now, at first... These two things might seem unrelated, but they're not. They're not unrelated for a couple of reasons. First of all, people make dumb choices when they're under the influence of alcohol or drugs that they would never make in a million years when they're sober. They're related in another way too. And that is that they're both issues that relate to self-control which is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, again, the big picture of what God says about alcohol, uh, intoxication, is crystal clear. It's a sin. I mean, it's everywhere condemned. Drunkenness is condemned in both the Old Testament and the New. Wine, certainly a part of their culture, ancient Jewish culture, um, for sure. Um, Jesus uh, turns water into wine at the first miracle that he performs in Cana. Wine is often a symbol of God's blessing and celebration. We saw actually one of these verses last week in chapter three, in verses nine and 10. We were talking about honor honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, if we'll honor the Lord with our money 
and give the first fruits to him and tithe our money, then God says, I'm going to honor that by filling your barns with plenty, your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, it's a symbol of abundance, of blessing. And you see that often used uh, for uh, wine in the Old Testament um, and in the, in the New. But drunkenness is condemned absolutely everywhere throughout the Bible. Ephesians 3, 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, we want our lives as believers to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not some substance that we put in our body. We want our our lives to be controlled by the Spirit of the living God so that the result is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We don't want our lives as believers to be under the control of some, you know, foreign substance. And Proverbs is filled with warnings about this. Proverbs 20 in verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So... Not only does drunkenness result in uh, loose behavior with our bodies, it results in loose words with our lips. And people not only make stupid sexual decisions under the influence, but they, they say stupid things. And so those loose mocking words create a ton of relational strife. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. (laughs) Sometimes it's not just loose lips, it's loose fists. I mean, how much violent, how, how, how many, how many violent crimes are create, are in our culture stem from, go back to, to alcohol or drugs? A ton, right? How many how many, how many fights and rela- relational strife goes back to the, the stupid things that people say to one another um, when they're drunk? It's not only devastating relationally, but it can be devastating financially. Look at, look at Proverbs 23, 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards, or among gluttonous eaters of meat. Yes, the Bible does address self-control when it comes to food as well. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. I mean, how many people have just been given tremendous earning potential that they've completely squandered because of the abuse of alcohol or drugs. But see, again, it's not just that person that, gets, that, that pays the price for this. It's people around them. It's spouses. It's kids. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You grew up in a family like this. 
that cycle doesn't have to repeat itself. You know, President Reagan grew up with an alcoholic father. And when, when Reagan was little, his family had to move from town to town in Illinois because his father couldn't hold down a job because of his drinking. And so there were times when Ronnie would come home as a boy and his, there would be his dad passed out on the front porch. He had to drag him or pick him up and carry him in the house. I mean, that's a tough image, right? That, that image is just rampant in our culture with, with kids who have to deal with um, an alcoholic or, or, or drug-addicted parent. So with the, the fallout relationally, financially, I mean, it's just, it's just so devastating. Um, this verse also has something to say about our choice of friends too, right? In verse 20, he says, be not among drunkards. So like if your main crew is drinking or drugging, get a new crew. Bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says. And it is true that Jesus reached out to people who had these issues in their lives. That's absolutely the case. Um, But you have to make very sure that you're bringing people up and they're not pulling you down. Um, And if if you have a problem with addiction, I mean... Friend, there's just some people that you just got, you can't be around them, period. At the end of chapter 23 of Proverbs, we see one of the most vivid descriptions of addiction that you could possibly imagine. Addiction was around in the Old Testament. And we see it here uh, at the end of chapter 23. These images are vivid. Look at verses 29 and 30. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. These verses tell us about the toll. The toll on relationships talks about strife. The toll on us physically. Years of abuse, I mean, it takes its toll on our bodies. Verses 31 and 32. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Now the image here, again, is from trapping. It's a trap saying that like a a person who craves alcohol and just sort of sees it and sees it sparkling and sees and just craves the escape that it gives and they view that escape as sort of like a pleasant oasis but what happens is the trap closes and it's gonna it's gonna bite like a poisonous snake And then verses 33 through 35, your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst 
of the sea like one who lies on top of a mast. And you think about the nausea of seasickness and think about one lying on top of a, of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. In other words, this is a person who is sick and miserable because of alcohol. And what are they craving? More alcohol to, to plunge back into this destructive cycle. This is a vivid portrait of, of addiction. Now, how do we put this together in our culture today? How are we to think about this? How are, how are we to think about this as, as biblical Christians? In a group this size, I know that there are three, at least three groups of people in this room today. Some of you have made the decision not to drink alcohol at all. That's a wise decision. It's a safe decision. Personally, it's the decision that I've made. And if you've made that decision, then you don't have to worry that you're going to get drunk and do something stupid. You're not going to get drunk if you don't drink. You don't have to worry about becoming addicted. You're not going to become addicted if you don't drink. So it's a wise decision. It's a safe decision. My caution to you if you have made that decision is not to be prideful and self-righteous. And to think that your decision um, elevates you to a higher spiritual plane. There are really godly people <laughs> in this world. Um, and I, have, you know, I certainly have dear friends uh, who can appreciate a glass of wine. They're not... They're not tempted to get drunk. They don't have a problem. They just, um, they don't struggle. They don't have a struggle with it, um, you know, and they would never think of abusing it. It's just not a struggle for them. And some of you are in that group, okay? But if you're in that group, I've got a word of caution for you as well. You may not struggle with it, but you live in a culture where lots of people are struggling with it. And so for us now as believers, the issue for us is, is never like, what do I have the right to do? What do I have the license to do? The issue for us is always the law of love. You know, what is gonna best show love for other people in this situation? They faced issues like this in the New Testament. Um, about sort of the situations where they would eat certain things because some people were coming out of idolatry or out of you know, uh, Judaism or whatever. And they, had, they were very strict about their diet and things that they could eat or, you know, and, or whether to drink wine or not or things like that. They, they wrestled with things like this in the New Testament church. And so Paul says in Romans 14, 21, it's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that, that causes your brother to stumble. I have a really dear friend, Christian friend, who um, made a decision recently 
to quit drinking alcohol entirely, not because he thought it was a sin or because he struggled with it, he really didn't struggle with it, um, but because somebody that he loves, somebody in his family uh, has a struggle with it. And just to show love and solidarity with that person who struggles, he quit drinking completely. So we have to let love for God, love for people, okay, the great commandment and the leadership of the Holy Spirit um, guide us in, in this. There's a third group of people in this room. I, I know you're here. Some of you are open about it. Some of you, this is a hidden battle in your life. But the third group of people here are people who are struggling with addiction. And every day of your life is a pitched battle to stay sober. And friend, I just have a word of love and encouragement for you. The Bible is a book about deliverance. Do you know that? In, in the Old Testament, the central event of the Old Testament is a people being set free from bondage, being delivered from slavery. New Testament opens, Jesus goes to Nazareth, his hometown, and he opens up the scroll, reads from Isaiah. And what does he read? Jesus says, I've come to bring deliverance to the captives, to set free those who were bound. And then when we get to the epistles, you see in Romans 6 and so many other passages, the fact that, that we have been set free from slavery to sin. If you are in Christ, your identity is not slave. It is son or daughter. And Jesus died and rose again, not just so that we could be freed from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. If you were in Christ, listen, I know you may still struggle and you may feel like it's a battle every day, but I just want to encourage you. You are not a slave. And in Christ, by the power of his spirit, you can live differently. You can experience freedom. By the power of God's spirit, and part of what God uses to work in our lives is that he uses New Testament churches. We help one another. We pray for one another. We we're to confess our sin to one another and help one another along. And so don't carry your burdens and your struggles, whatever they are, and just come to church and pretend like everything is okay. There are people here who will love you and pray with you and who will not look upon you with judgment because we're all fighting battles, okay? You look around you, every person around you is fighting battles. We're not gonna look upon you with condemnation or with self-righteousness. Listen, we're all, we're all pilgrims that are struggling with sin. We're just trying to make our way by the power of God's spirit, but we're here to help one another in those struggles. I wanna, I wanna finish out with an incredible word of uh, God's mercy and grace. We talked about the fact that the thing that links these 
things together, you know, sexual sin, substance abuse, um, is, is the issue really of, of, of self-control. It goes back to that. It's a self-control issue. And Proverbs 25 and, and tw- verse 28 gives this image. It says a, a man or, or a woman without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In the ancient world, a city's walls were everything. If a city's walls were broken down, I mean, they were just sitting out there just totally vulnerable to any kind of, of attack. Jerusalem had walls. Still has a wall all the way around Jerusalem. Do you know that when Jesus was crucified for us, it didn't happen inside the wall because they didn't consider people that were going to be crucified. Um, they, 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 couldn't, they weren't even deserving of the dignity to be crucified within the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, they had to be crucified outside the wall where they dumped the garbage. And that's where our Savior went for us. You know what? He bore all of our sins. All the, all, the, all the times that we've sinned, all the times we've blown it. Listen, we're all, we're, we've, we've blown it plenty of times in our lives. Whether we've blown it in these the two areas that we're talking about today, listen, we are all people who have just messed up badly. It's called being a sinner. You know what? We have a Savior who loves us so much that he took our sins upon himself and he bore them outside the walls of Jerusalem so that we could be forgiven and brought to the inside into a relationship, into fellowship with a living God who loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and mercy and grace. Lord, thanks for your mercy for sinners like us And uh, Lord, thanks for your wisdom. Thanks that uh, we don't have to grope around in the dark on issues like this. That uh, So many of the things that we experience, things that we see around us, uh, Lord, you you graciously give us um, your loving counsel. Lord, help us to heed it. Help us to walk in in wisdom. Lord, may we know the, the Savior who is wisdom, the wisdom of God and the power of God. If you're here today and and what you need is a relationship with Jesus, he is wisdom from God. He is power from God. We don't want you to leave here today without being talked to, being prayed for. Our pastors are here at the front. We're here for you during this time of invitation. We'll be here for you after this service. You come. We'll be carrying that, that burden alone. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about more about knowing Jesus, about being a part of this church family as we walk together and serve him together. We want to invite you to come. Our altar is open to you. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? 
If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.